Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Prepare to get bashed. Not like a violent way, completely consensual bashing. I don't know if that was clear. Prepare to get consensually bashed. Good evening and welcome back to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Booksmart. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from my basement, as always, my name is Don. And to my right, we have our comic book guy, John. I am ready to get consensually bashed. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Hello, there it was. Hello, just like he said. Uh, tonight we have a special guest. This is Bellamy. Hi, it's an honor just to be nominated. <laughs> uh, and Bellamy comes from us. Um, I am a senior at Cal State Northridge down in Los Angeles. Cal State Northridge. Um, so you came all the way up here just to do the pod. That is so sweet. Yeah, I did actually come for the podcast. Seeing my family was just an added benefit. Yeah. I mean, come on, right? Well, she's a big fan of the show. Uh, how many episodes have you listened to? As of today, one. Yes! Hey, that's more than my own daughter, so that's fine. I'll, I'll take the one, for sure. Uh, did you like it? Yeah, I did. I was laughing at uh, Katie talking about holy names, because I'm like, yep, that's all true. Yeah. Uh, Bellamy and Katie were schoolmates, and she was at the school that the professor's at and that where I taught, and she was in one of my film classes way back when. So, yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, tonight we're talking about the 2019 movie Booksmart, which was released on March 10th, 2019 at South by Southwest and then uh, theatrically on May 24th, 2019. It was directed by Olivia Wilde, screenplay by Emily Helpern, Sarah Haskins, Susanna Fogel, and Katie Silberman. It stars Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein. Uh, this movie comes to us because Bellamy suggested it and agreed to be on the show. Uh, so, hey, Bell, why Booksmart? Because that is the movie my dad picked for me. I'm really glad he picked this movie. It's one of my favorite recent comedies. Um, I counted my letterbox reviews, and today was my seventh time seeing the movie, and it came out three years ago. Wow. 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 Uh, would you consider this to be one of your favorite movies? I would say so. I'm one of those people where it's, if you ask me my favorite movie, it's going to change every time. But definitely um, of recent comedies and also just teen movies, it's one of my favorites. Nice. How, how did this movie do, Don? Uh, this movie was made for $6 million and brought in $25 million, so not a bad haul, right? That's not pretty, bad at all. That's pretty successful. This is Olivia Wilde's directorial debut. I didn't realize she was an actress before she was a director. She was in a lot of things. She's Gozer. Yeah, she was also in... Afterlife. Yeah. She was in House... 
Uh, That's where I know her from. Uh, what's the one with uh, the OR? Ryan Reynolds and Jason Bateman. The change up. Do you guys ever see that where it's Freaky Friday, but they're adults? Uh-uh. No? I know what you're talking about, but I don't know the name. Yeah. Well, she was in that. That's what I know her from. She was in so. Cowboys and Aliens, a great movie. You know, I don't know if I ever saw that. Tron, Tron Legacy? Wait, that's that's probably what I most know her for is Tron Legacy. Did you see that Olivia Wilde has been penned in to up uh, to an upcoming Marvel movie? She's directing an upcoming Marvel movie. I did not say. I know she's got a thriller coming out in 2022. So Yeah, with Harry Styles and uh, Florence Pugh. Hey, I, well, I like both those actors. But no, I had not heard. Has they, have they said what Marvel movie it is or just upcoming? Uh, it, it, it's under wraps. And all I know is that it is uh, uh, female-driven. It is a female-driven character. So the Marvels? Miss Marvel? Yeah, I could see that. Something like that? Like I said, I like her her filming style, her directorial style. So I, I'd be interested to see her do a Marvel movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of a big jump. Well, it's also just plain old nice to get you know another female director out there, and, you know, somebody with a name that you know can bring more women to be directing. Yeah, and you know what? I, I got to say, this is the first time that I had seen Booksmart, and I fucking loved it, uh, and I thought she did a fantastic job. You know, uh, it wasn't what I expected, although I don't not really sure what I quite expected, but what I got, I really fucking dug. So I'm excited to get into this. Well, what I always say, you know, I brought up on many podcasts, if a movie is predictable and you see where it's going, I really get taken out of the movie. And I got to say all my predictions of what I thought was going to happen in the movie did not happen and it went completely the other direction. So I enjoyed the movie as well because of that. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, we can, we'll get into it more later, but one of the things I love about this movie is it does subvert a lot of the, like, classic teen movie tropes of, um, yeah, it just flips it on its head and brings it into 21st century. Yeah, yeah. And I'll go ahead and just say, because we all know it, or we all thought it, it was very similar to Superbad, right? And having uh, Beanie, is it Beanie? Yeah, Yeah, Beanie. Beanie Feldstein is Jonah Hill's younger sister. So, you know, that tied it even more, but it didn't bother me, you know, and I, and I feel like depending on if it was someone else, it could have bothered me, but I thought that Beanie did a fantastic job and completely separated herself from her brother, her mannerisms. And she looked like him, but she made uh, the character Molly her own. And, and I, I fucking dug it. I thought she did a great job. Did you read what uh, Olivia Wilde said was the inspirations for this movie? Fast Times at Richmond High and Don't Tell Me. Four movies. I thought there was only two. I thought there uh, was da- three. Dazed and Confused, I'm sure, is one yeah. of them. Yep. Um, I know you're looking at it. Hang on. Fast Times at Richmond High, Dazed and Confused, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. No, no sir. Fuck. What was the third one? I thought I could see a lot of Ferris Bueller in it. I Bell, can. do you know? Well, I was going to say uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, that's a Valley movie. Is Valley Girl one of them? Because nope. this movie is very Los Angeles. I could see that, though. Breakfast Club. Okay. Clueless. And Clueless. Clueless. That was the one. Oh, I, of course. Yeah, that was the one I had. On As my if. <laughs> I dug it. Yeah, absolutely. Very enjoyable. In fact, I watched it twice. That's right. You did watch it twice. Oh, uh, Why'd you, why you wait 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 wait? Why'd you watch it a second time? Well, the first time I watched it, uh, I was working on Legos and I missed a little bit of the beginning. So wait wait wait. Were you by yourself? 
I was by myself the first time I went. Okay. Hence working on Legos. And Go so on. I was working on Legos and I missed a little bit of the beginning and I found myself really getting drawn into the movie and thought, I want to give this another watch. And it was, the rewatchability is great on this movie because there's all so many things you can catch. There's so many things in the background. So I thought I'd rewatch it again. The second time I watched it, I invited my wife and her mother to watch it with us, not thinking that maybe Nana doesn't want to watch this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Nana was, I think, a little confused in certain parts and then Mm. a little shocked by, I think, some of the the graphic ideas in the movie, especially the scene in the bathroom. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't imagine. Belle, did you watch this with your dad? Uh, We watched the end together. Um, but I have watched this with multiple members of my family. I watched it with my mom. I've seen it with my aunt. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I actually saw this movie for the first time. Um, my friend got early screening tickets. So I saw it two weeks or so before it came out. And then I saw it again the weekend that it came out. And I remember um, we posted on Instagram after we saw it. We're like, everyone go see this movie. Yeah. It was one of the, was it one of those moments where you walked out and you're like, that movie just kind of, you know, made an imprint on my life. Yeah, totally. I remember, um, uh, I said like, it was literally knee slapping funny. Like we were crying in the theater and everyone else was laughing. And I'm like, this is a theater going experience. I haven't really had that often of where everyone is in the movie and enjoying it and finding it funny. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Uh, I saw, I didn't see this in the theater and I, I regret that now because seeing it with an audience probably would have been awesome. But I did see Superbad in the theater when it uh, opened and with an audience and that was a fun experience. How long has it you know? been since we've had a movie that just so quotable? It seems like it's been forever that like the whole movie, almost all the lines are just quotable. They're just funny to think back on. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. 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 Um, you said knee slapping. There were bits in this movie and I can pinpoint three of them right off the top of my head where I couldn't breathe because I was laughing so hard. And it's been so long since a movie has done that. Um, so thank you for uh, making me watch this or better yet. Thanks. Uh, thanks to your dad, Gerard. Uh, and if he sounds familiar, that's because he was on our speed podcast. Um, he suggested it, told me that you would love to review it. And here we are. So thanks, guys. That was fucking awesome. Shout out Gerard. All right. So this movie was actually nominated for a Golden Globe uh, Best Actress, Beanie Feldstein. It was nominated for a a BAFTA Award, Best Original Screenplay. Talking about the actresses that starred in this movie, one of the things that kind of blew me away to read later was that in the movie, Amy is a lesbian and Molly is straight. In real life, it's reversed. I did not realize. I would not oh, be yeah, able to yeah. tell from this movie. They both did such an amazing job on it. Oh, my God. The casting in this was... Amazing. Spot on, yeah. as I like I to mean, call it. I mean, Billy Lord. Like, <laughs> like this, this is such a strong cast, and the characters are so good, yet somehow Gigi still like rises above all of them. My, my favorite bits on those is when she pops up and no matter who Wherever sees her, at. right. And whoever sees her, it could be Molly, could be Amy. The, the first response is what the fuck? Yeah, that, and how did and, you get dry? Oh my God. That's so Why are funny. you dry? <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the funny thing about that character is there's a big movement on the internet of people wanting to her to get a spinoff movie from this. Oh, well, just an I old GG movie. I feel like part of her charm is that she is the side character where you're like, you're like, I don't know what's going on with you, but I love you. Yeah. And I think maybe, I mean, the story would have to be flushed out because an hour and a half of what we got 
I don't know how long that would fly. She was, but she great, did agree. But she was awesome. She's a great character, great would, supporting. Would character. you call her like a running gag, or yeah, just that she kept appearing and yeah, you could uh, or a supporting character. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, her shtick was a, a running gag. Yeah, she was infused into the plot as the story evolved because of the richness of her character. Yeah. High school seniors Amy and Molly, longtime best friends, are accomplished students, friendly with teacher Miss Fine. But with Molly being class president, they are not popular with their peers. Amy has a crush on a girl named Ryan, which Molly urges her to pursue. On the eve of graduation, Molly confronts classmates insulting her bookishness, telling them she got into Yale. But they claim that, despite their partying, they got into prestigious colleges or job recruitments. Furious, Molly tells Amy they should have enjoyed their time in high school more. And Amy reluctantly agrees to go to a graduation party held by classmate Nick. Not knowing the party's address, Molly calls Jared, a wealthy classmate who likes her. He instead takes them to his own party aboard a yacht. Only his drug-crazed friend Gigi is there, and she feeds the girl strawberries before jumping off the yacht. Amy suggests that they go home. But Molly calls Malala. They're a code for unconditionally supporting what the other wants to do. All right. So this movie opens up with uh, the motivationals. Oh, my gosh. This is so funny. Maya Rudolph, right? Yeah, I think that's who it is. Correct. Yeah. This opening introduces us to Molly, who's going to be one of our protagonists. And uh, you get the sense of who she is right away, just the way the camera pans around her room. And then we get this motivational uh, talk going on. So we know right away that Molly is driven and um, she doesn't fuck around, right? You know who I thought of? Do you guys ever watch Parks and Recreations? Yes. She remind me of what Leslie Nope would be in the fucking high school uh we can get into it later but the fight between molly and amy i'm like this is the fight from my favorite episode of parks and rec the fight between leslie and um and perkins yeah well i i like the part just of that motivational that um you know it seems like such a good motivational statement and then it ends with stand atop the mountain of your success and look down on everybody who's ever doubted you Fuck those losers. Fuck them in their stupid fucking faces. A, a movie after my own heart. Exactly. I just love how it just all of a sudden just sets you up for the movie right there. Yeah, and she pulls out a retainer and, she, and that look she gives the camera. Yeah, she's fucking ready. I enjoyed her uh, as she descended from the staircase with her pose. And then there's Amy in the driver's seat and she's totally into it as well. And Hilarious. A, yeah. A little dance break. There's no music. Just. Or there's music and then it cuts out and they're just dancing on the sidewalk. I love it because you you do get that sense of like, oh, these are best friends. Like, yeah, it, I mean, ride or die, right? I, that what these two are. I experienced a little PTSD at this point. Why? Because you can't dance. No, because the Volvo station wagon they were driving. Oh yeah, that was my first car that I ever drove. <laughs> I had a lime green. Volvo station wagon. That's fucking awesome. We called it the tank because we took the little window washer squirter thing on the back uh-huh. and turned it so we could spray joggers and bicyclists. That's fucking awesome. That's great. I've also surfed on top of it. Oh, really? Like Teen Wolf? Mm-hmm. Was Teen Wolf the inspiration? No. Oh. No, just stupid. Yeah, things. no, I'm going to say bullshit on that, but we'll get into that another time. Uh, so, yeah, they're... Uh, She's dancing. They're both dancing, getting out. You can tell that they're best friends. What I liked about this bit was we as the audience hear the music and they're dancing with it, but then it just cuts out. And then you're like, oh, that's what they hear. There's nothing there, but they still have it in their veins and they're still moving to the music. I I thought it was great. 
Speaking of the music, what do you think of the soundtrack? I of thought this movie? I thought the soundtrack was fun. There was a lot of music in this movie. Yeah. Like it almost seems like every scene had kind of a music going behind it. You know, I say that if you so here's what I, I didn't I, I heard it, but it I didn't notice it, if that makes sense, because it just blended so well into what was happening, what I was seeing, the dialogue I was hearing. And if I and if uh, a soundtrack can blend into a movie like that, I would, I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic score or it's a fantastic way to do it. Yeah, I think they did a really good job because I think there's a lot of like um, movies that will use needle drops where it's very much, okay, we'll just slap this song in this scene, but they did a really good job of blending it in and it feels a very much part of the DNA of the movie where it makes sense. And like, the artists are so good. There's like Perfume Genius. There's Lizzo. There's Run the Jewels. Like they have such a, it's it's a lot of fun music. Yeah. And which is funny because I have no idea who any of those people are that you just said uh, outside of Lizzo. Um, That's the only one I knew. Yeah. Yeah, but there's also Cardi B. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I guess. Um, but it, I don't know. It was probably Olivia Wilde. They chose to use uh, uh, musical cues or, or their musical moments in this. The opening being one where the mu- uh, music just cuts off. But there's another one later on that we'll get to that I thought uh, really worked and helped uh, with that scene. So the argument scene. Yeah, or, that's what mm-hmm. I was, we'll yeah. come to that. Yeah, there's a good to talk about that one. Yeah, that's what I just said. I know, but I wasn't listening. OK, this fucking guy. Uh, so now we are with them at school. And it's the last day of school. Uh, they're seniors. Um, what do you guys think of this? Well, uh, I like the introduction of uh, Sudeikis. Oh, she geez. comes in to do the budget, and he's just, I don't want to talk to you kids. School's over. He's already checked out. Yeah. And and Molly's she. what does she say to him? I want to make sure that the uh, transition of power goes smoothly. Yes. And <laughs> who fucking does that, right? Yeah. <laughs> And you can tell he's just fed up with it. But you get a good, you know, good idea of exactly what kind of person Molly is. You know, from before that, you know, where they're kind of outside to the, you know, talking to Nick later to all of it. You kind of see who she is. Oh yeah, yeah. They they've uh, they've done a great job establishing uh, who Molly is and really who Amy is too, without her even being really vocal at this mm-hmm. point. Exactly. Right? It it establishes their dynamic that Molly is this leader and Amy is someone. Who will follow her anywhere? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, is this where we go? Now we're outside. No. Uh, no. This is. They're in the classroom. We get Miss uh, Fine. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. This classroom scene I thought was a fantastic way to give us an introduction to the majority of the characters. No, the it gave us everybody. Not everybody was okay. Nick the was pizza, not. Nick the wasn't pizza in driver. It. Yes, he was. Nick wasn't in the classroom. Mm-mm. No, he was introduced outside the classroom. in the hallway. Yeah. So, but right before. Yeah. And then Jared is the other one. He comes into the classroom. Mm-hmm. Other than that, everybody is introduced yeah. by this time. Yeah, we, not we, Gigi. Gigi's not, not introduced G- in the classroom. Gigi's the only one. Gigi's at lunch. Yeah, Gigi's at lunch in the classroom. Oh, you're talking about the whole school, the, yeah. that I'm whole just sequence. Specifically yeah. the classroom. Oh, yeah, yeah. I liked how we got a feel for everybody. We yeah. got Jared and his great, <laughs> his shirt. Um, we get, um, hope, we meet Hope for the first time. And my favorite, we meet um, Alan and George, and they talk about Shakespeare in the parking lot, and of course, um, Barcelona. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you get you get Triple um, A. You get to introduce her with the short shorts, and yeah, and Theo with his long hair. Yo, that's Theo. Yeah, he he had me laughing. 
And was, the teacher. I didn't expect the teacher to come even, you know, Mrs. Price, I think, what was her name? Miss Fine. Miss Fine. Fine. I didn't expect her to appear again later in the movie, so it was kind of fun to see her appear later. Yeah, and, and so with this movie, uh, you were talking predictability earlier. Um, you kind of know where it's going, and you think you know where it's going, and when it doesn't, it's so fucking awesome. You know, and there's bits in this and the teacher being one of them is that, you know, you don't see it coming. And, you know, it was really good. Really good. When do we get to the bathroom scene? Is that right after this or uh, right after no. the outside? Yeah. After this, they go to lunch. Um, Molly and Amy are talking about Ryan, who Amy has a crush on. And then we and then we have uh, Jared uh, bring Gigi in on the Camaro. In that uh, awesome Camaro. Fuck yeah. With the soup dumps. <laughs> what is a soup dump? I was sure A soup to... dumpling. They're dumplings. Oh, dumplings. Okay, yeah. that makes more. I thought maybe they just dumped the soup in the bowl or oh, something. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, what'd you think of Jared? I, I kind of liked the character. I had figured you were going to tag me as Jared. Uh, that That's who you'd see me in high school as. Oh, my God. You know, the guy who I, tries too hard. I probably did when I was watching it last night. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fucking John. Um, what about you? Well, when we saw Jared for the first time in the classroom wearing his T-shirt of himself, of a T-shirt of him wearing himself, of a T-shirt of him wearing himself, yeah. I was uh, thinking somewhere in here we are going to get to know more of these characters and they're, they're – they should be fleshed out more. And I wasn't expecting that he was going to be our character that uh, ends up carrying uh, us towards the end of the movie. The rest of the characters, I was wondering who's going to be the antagonist in here. And it was interesting because this movie doesn't necessarily have an antagonist. Not necessarily. That's something I wanted to bring up. I don't know. Do you want to discuss that now? Because I've got some ideas about antagonists and protagonists in this movie. I was going to say, I think... Um for me, I don't think there's any true antagonist. And I think um, it's a good reflection of what high school really is like in this movie. Because you you think of these people who are like, oh, they're the bullies or they're the mean one or the popular one. But you're like, there's so much more to it. And these it's like, we're all just teenagers. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where that movie went. And it it was refreshing. It really was. I was, I was glad what I thought was going to happen didn't happen. Yeah. There was nobody in it that had really bad intentions. No, they were just being teenagers. Now regarding antagonists and protagonists, I was debating because especially the second time I was watching it for me, it was either uh, Amy and Molly were their own antagonists in that. What was holding them back? The stuff that, you know, with Amy not being able to talk to Ryan and Molly. So stick up her butt kind of in the beginning. Um, they were their own enemies in this. And then I thought, well, maybe Nick and Ryan, in a way, are unintentionally the antagonists because they are the goals of the two. And, you know, in the end, they did nothing wrong getting together because that's, you know, they didn't know that other people had feelings for them. You know, maybe they should have interpreted it. Doesn't matter. They did their own thing. So unintentionally, maybe they were the antagonists. Or they were not. There were no antagonists. And that's, that's okay. Yeah, it makes for a fun film. I mean, if you had to go looking for one, I guess you could pick either one of those two. Well, so, I, I was looking up movies because I, I thought normally in most movies you have a protagonist and an antagonist. What other movies out there were there no antagonists in? And I came up with a few. Do you have any in mind? Uh, not off the top of my head. Off the top of my head, I do not. The ones that I came across were... Oh, uh, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump, 40-Year-Old Virgin, Big... 
50 first dates, and like Bruce Almighty. Those are the ones that came up with, really, there was no antagonist in the movie. It, and the movie still worked out really well. I think, too, uh, one of the cool things about this movie is it takes place over two days. Yeah. Yeah, you start morning before graduation. Um, there is a little bit at the end of the movie where it's a few days later, but the majority sure. of it is over two days. Yeah, yeah. And and they told a uh, very coherent story over that time, and they introduced us to a lot of great characters, and yeah, it was fucking awesome. You always bring up pacing in the movie, and I thought, the pacing of this movie was fantastic. Oh, I, there yeah. was no point that I feel that just everything dropped out or went too slow or started to lose me at all. No, it was just bing, bang, boom. It was on to the next thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it moves really well. What do you think of the interaction between uh, Amy trying to talk to Ryan? Oh, I thought that was spot on. And that, I mean, that felt high school to me so much. Yeah, I love their interactions, especially um, like for. Amy dealing with this, like she talks about, like she's been out, but she hasn't, she hasn't kissed a girl. She hasn't talked to a girl. So I love her, her awkwardness and how um, unsure of herself she is around Ryan and like insulting her and being like, yeah, your chin is sharp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, One thing I did appreciate about this, because we talked about a little earlier about breaking stereotypes is that Molly is kind of, you know, she's the school nerd. I mean, she's the overachiever. Yet she's so confident. She's like, well, I'm going to go talk to Ryan if you're not going to go talk to Ryan. And she doesn't seem like anything scares her. And then you have um, Amy, who is not willing, you know, even though she has been labeled, she's labeled herself, she's not willing to label anybody else. I mean, yeah. she jumps out, you know, well, Ryan wore a polo to the dance. And it's like, well, that doesn't mean anything. That's just her gender identity. Right. She's yeah. also the only one who will not call AAA by that nickname, AAA. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, she has um, morals. Going into the bathroom scene where Molly overhears Tanner and Theo talking about her and them playing a game of fuck, Mary kill. The thing I really liked about this movie is like in, in a different movie, they would have made fun of the way Molly looks or been fat phobic, but they're like, no, she's cute. She's just annoying as fuck. Like, yeah, totally. And that's one of those things that I was expecting it to go one way mm -hmm. and it completely different. I didn't see Theo coming at the direction that he did. And I thought, wow, that's kind of refreshing. In a typical teen movie, I would have expected Molly to burst into tears and hide in the stall or run out of the bathroom or something like that. No, she came out and stood her ground, which was, again, just a, a surprise for me. I was watching it thinking, what the fuck would I do? Right? That's got to be traumatizing. And then, then I was thinking, what the fuck is she going to do? And what happens is fucking brilliant. She walks out, she confronts the three who are talking shit, and then she tries to throw it in their face that they're going to, that she's going to Yale and she's this, that, and the other. And then in any other movie, they would have uh, tried to shame her in some way and left or dude, whatever. But they started to say where they were going to school and they were just as uh, prestigious schools. I was thinking to myself, is this all in her head? Is she imagining this? Is this really happening? Did they really write it this way? And it was fucking awesome. Well, the other thing I love, and right here at this scene, I realized I loved the school because they had a gender neutral bathroom that nobody cared. Nobody batted an eye. Oh, I just figured it was fucking last day of school. Who cares? Yeah. Oh, no. Um, Molly made a comment. She was like, I'm going to pee in your weird bathroom. Um, and Amy says, until we can all pee without genitals, none of us can. So I got the the idea that Amy 
definitely fought for this gender neutral bathroom. That's so funny. I didn't put that together. So and I think, that's awesome. I, I think there was graffiti in the stall that said like gender neutral glory hole. So oh. <laughs> only in high school, right? Exactly. That's so awesome. I just chalked up triple A's to, I wonder if she's bullshitting. And she, and then right after that, then Tanner goes for that as well. Yeah. Right. That he just immediately follows suit. Cause how in the world can these seeming misfits be going and having this success of going to Yale, Stanford, Google? How? Maybe are they making it up? I don't know. I was going to say, I I felt that in high school that like, I mean, I was not someone who ever went to any parties, but there were definitely classmates of mine who I'm like, oh, I know they're going out on the weekends, but they're going to to really um, prestigious um, schools or really competitive schools that like, those people are out there. You yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. I and, don't doubt that for a minute. And, and and by the end of the scene, I thought, yeah, they really are doing that. But then I started thinking, I wonder if it's because mom and dad are paying their way. Well, yeah. I mean, probably. But, I mean, at this point, you know, they're well, going. So I could have I spent think... my high school going to all of the parties, but I was never invited. Oh, poor John. I'm not going to say I was, I'm not surprised, but... Yeah, I'm not really surprised. Um, and you can tell that at this moment, Molly internally is freaking out. You know what I mean? And uh, they did the whole push-pull zoom uh, uh, mm-hmm. shot. And then she starts running out and asking everybody where they're going to school. Yeah, and uh, it it ties right back into that her character introduction of she is confident but it's because she thinks she's better than everyone else. Right. It's that, and she's like, oh, I'm, I'm not the only one who is um, going to a great school. And that definitely is that um, inciting incident for yeah. her. Of, she's like, oh, maybe, maybe I was wrong. Yeah. Did yeah. you like Gigi's response of don't judge me? It was my fifth choice. <laughs> Harvard. Harvard. <laughs> uh, the, the line that had me laughing was fucking triple uh, A's. Uh, she says, uh, I give a great hand job and I got a 1560 on my SATs or whatever it was. Yes. And she was so confident about it. I was laughing so hard. She has that line and a later line that made me really like that character because again, breaking stereotypes. I loved to see a confident young woman who knew what she liked and wasn't afraid to say it. Yeah, sure, we, absolutely. When we were watching it earlier with my dad, we were laughing when she was like, yeah, she was talking about um, how she got the nickname AAA. She's like, you know, I like giving flow jobs. And she's like, I'm not going to do it at my house where my dad could walk in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so the day ends poorly. The day ends poorly. And, you know, they're sitting on the top of that uh, cliff or whatever. And they're talking. And Molly With says. Cake. And yeah. Amy's little song. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Because Molly will not talk. She yeah. hasn't talked. And her song is like, should I call someone? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> if you don't talk in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to take you to the hospital. <laughs> what a true friend, right? Um, so it, so Molly can see that Amy's really concerned because she's singing about it. And then she, you know, just unloads. We've been good all this time. And we did exactly what we were supposed to do. We, we weren't going to party. We got in, uh, we applied at all the good schools. We got into our schools and Amy's like, well, yeah, we did it. You know, what's the big deal? And then Molly goes into, but we didn't have any fun or whatever. So they decide they're going to Nick's party. 
We also get that great scene with uh, Will Forte and Lisa Kudrow and all the mm. foods with puns. Oh, my God. And this whole, the whole bit when they're at Amy's house, right, getting ready, they put on the same outfit. Uh, they do the... Um, you know, the purse check or whatever it is. And I think is. they're looking up self-defense videos too. Yeah. Oh, it was so funny. But I had to fucking laugh so hard when they're telling each other their secrets and how that all comes out to play. And, oh, my God, I was, it was hysterical. And then uh, it, it was, I guess, fresh, uh, refreshing to see that, you know, in other movies it would have been boys talking about the same thing but in different ways. But today it doesn't fucking matter. Right. And so funny writing, I think, is funny writing. And this goes back to the writing of the film. It was fucking hilarious. Did, did you, know, you expect the panda to come back up later? Oh, my God, dude. That's one of those moments where I couldn't fucking breathe. So they don't, they want to go to the party. They get all ready. And then they don't know where the fuck it is. Well, before that, you know, you were talking about the, you know, Lisa Kudrow and Will Forte scene. I love the fact that the parents think they're dating. Oh, and, it yeah. brings up that they're Christian values, but yet they're so accepting, but we're not dating. Yeah. yeah. And she's trying to fight. She's like, we're just friends. Special friends. I would have totally done that to my friend. Oh, I know. Molly just, just leans into it, and it's so funny. Yeah. And Lisa Goudreau and Will Forte. Is fucking we're, we're probably just going to do Korean face masks. I, I don't need to know the words. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's kind of the running joke um, at, at like my school. It was like, if are you really friends if people don't think you're dating? Like the, so, the mark of true best friends. For sure. For sure. Um, so they don't know where the party is and Molly's texting everybody to get the address, but no one's answering her back or no one's answering her calls because, well, she's no fun. Right. They think they she's calling for school stuff. Yeah, totally. Uh, so they call Jared. And Jared comes and picks him up, and he says he knows where um, the party is, but instead he takes him to his big yacht that he rented. And I'm thinking, okay, so we're gonna not go right to the. We're gonna. This is gonna be an adventure type of uh, graduation night. You know what I mean? Well, when they first get in the car, and he puts on that motivational tape or whatever it is, he wants, oh, to, yeah. get, he wants to get inside the mind of a woman. And and the first thought was, oh, he just put that on because he's gonna have the girls. By the end, though, when he starts talking about his other stuff, I'm like, no, maybe he actually was listening to that. Yeah, they, they're not hiding anything. They're yeah. giving it to you right up front. And mm -hmm. I think that was awesome. So, yeah, funny scene. Gigi's vitamins and it going all over them and like, <gasps> don't breathe. They're, they're don't trying move. To, it's in my orifices. Because they think it's drugs and they've never done. Well, this should probably be said. They've never done drugs ever. And uh, Gigi has this big tin of powder. And they think it's drugs and it spills naturally. Uh, but vitamins, oh, it was so funny. And also the um, the marina that they go to is the same place where they shoot uh, Arrested Development. That's where the Bluth banana stand is. Oh, look at that. Mm. Yeah. A little trivia. There you go. Um, so they get on board. And did you guys think that anyone was on it? No, I, I didn't think anybody was going to show up. Yeah, I was surprised I. when one did. Yeah, it, it's funny that uh, they did. The two girls thought there were going to be other people. The only person I thought was going to be there were his parents. Oh, <laughs> I thought his parents would probably be like DJing or something. Oh, no, that was fucking Jared. Um, but who is there? Gigi. Gigi. So and this kind of gives us our uh, this gives us a glimpse of, you know, more Gigi. 
and she gives the girl strawberries, and I'm thinking that's totally laced with something, right? Well, when they did the vitamin uh, B powder joke, I thought, oh, well, they're they're not going to get involved in any drugs. I think that's going to be one of those movies where it's hinted at but never gets to. Maybe that's one of the running gags. You, so I didn't expect the strawberries. You were wrong, motherfucker. I was way wrong. Yeah. And at first, because uh, they don't say it, but you kind of think it, but then they they eat the strawberries and everything goes on. It's fine. It's fine. Um, and they want to leave the party. Yeah, and Gigi, uh, I think she says, like, light it up, Luann, and she dives off the yacht. She just dives off the fucking yacht. Uh, did you know that Billy Lord actually wanted to do it, um, but the producers wouldn't let her? It, you know, it didn't click with me at first exactly who Billy Lord was, because I had seen her in other things, and I knew from other movies who she was related to, but it didn't click in this movie until I realized that she is the daughter of Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. Princess Leia. Gigi jumps off the boat. And they want to go to, they're still in search of Nick's party. Well, I was bummed they didn't take any iPads with them. Oh my God, the gift bags. I would have taken at least one of the gift that bags. So a spray painted hat. Yeah. Uh, and this is a, a, this gives us a good moment too, where Molly tells Jared, you know, you, you can't buy people's affections. And I love his response. Yes, you can. <laughs> no, I, I think you can. Because <laughs> he's so genuine well, about it. My parents did. Yeah. And so Molly's like, no. And then this is kind of where we reveal that he says, you know, this that's what I've always liked about you. You know, that you're uh, up front and you take what you want. And you kind of think to yourself, is or will they, won't they? Or, you know, is him and Gigi? But that's just something that they planted in the back of your mind. And um, we just move on from it. So. The first time I watched this movie, it didn't connect for me, especially like at the classroom scene, it didn't connect for me that he kind of had a thing for her. Even though he kind of said her name as, as he left the classroom, it wasn't until this scene that I started to think, oh, maybe he's got some feels for her. Oh, maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, if I, if I, well, when I go back and watch it now, when he goes into the classroom, he, she's the only name he says, mm -hmm. right? So that could have, that should have been my first fucking clue. And then when they leave the party, that's when they get the text from Alan with a address for the party. Right. So they have to call a lift and it has to be Amy because uh, Molly gives bad reviews or no one. No, likes it's her. 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 Yeah. She talks too much. So she gets low writer scores. <laughs> <laughs> and this comes to probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire film. Uh, their lift driver pulls up and they get in. And it's the fucking principal. Principal Brown. Oh, my God. Jason Sudeikis. This bit, oh, my God, was so funny. Awkward. Which part in it? Just the fact that he gets in and it's the principal or some of the stuff that happens, the shenanigans that happen. This in entire the sequence. This entire sequence is probably one of my favorite sequences in the film. One of my, my favorite jokes, like, to use myself as the, please call me, uh, oh, I forget what his name Oh, please call me Jordan. Principal Brown was my father. <laughs> and then also as he's talking about whatever shitty novels he's writing, where it's like, oh, Amy, I think you would like this. The protagonist is a woman. <laughs> and then he's writing a book, right? And, and But it's really a book of quotes. <laughs> and he has to say his quote and he goes, oh, that's a good one. Um, but no. So they're talking about, again, they're talking about how Amy has never been with another girl, hasn't even kissed her. And Molly suggests, well, you know, there are instructional videos out there. Sexy instructional videos. Yeah. A sexy documentary. And at first I didn't put it together. But then when Amy goes, porn, I went, oh, my God. 
Oh, so they start watching porn on. I love their expressions. I didn't notice their expressions until the second time that I saw it. Oh, I did right away. It was fucking hilarious. Molly was all gung ho for it, but it looked like she was more disturbed by it. I don't know if disturbed or right. Maybe. Uh, and Amy was a little reluctant, but she was all intrigued. And uh, but the what I think is the funniest thing is they're watching porn on a phone in a lift driver that's driven by their fucking principal. Oh my gosh. And then I didn't see this coming at all. Well, Julie, when we watched this movie, she called out, she said, it's going to Bluetooth the radio. It's going to somehow end up on the radio. Oh, when it does that, this, I couldn't fucking breathe. It and was the, so funny. And the best part is the principal has no idea. Right. He asks, is this Cardi B? Totally. <laughs> it had a nice beat to it, I guess. Oh my God. Yeah. So good. So good. One of the things that I like about this is after they got off the boat um, and Amy just wants to go home, Molly invokes Malala, which basically means that whatever one person wants to do, the other person has to go along with it. I watched a video today I thought was just fantastic. It's on Twitter, and I, I'm not sure the gentleman's name, but he starts out the video by saying, you know what my favorite thing is about Booksmart? And then the camera pans, and there's Malala, and she goes, Malala. <laughs> it is just great. I guess Malala loves this movie. Who's Malala? You don't know who Malala is? Are you joking? Malala, the um, young woman who got shot on a bus by the Taliban trying to go to school? Yeah, just because she's fighting. She, as a, what, 15-year-old, fighting she for rights in Pakistan for women and the citizens. Uh, uh, one of the people shot her in the face because she wouldn't stop talking you know, about fighting for these rights. And she has become like an activist ever since. She's been uh, Times uh, or whatever the Time Magazine's most inspirational person. Like she went to Oxford two or three times. She's Malala. I've never known her name. Oh, you should look her up. Oh she, my goodness, she's an amazing person. Just the things that she's gone through in life. She's what twenty two, twenty three now, and she's probably one of the most inspirational people in the world. Wow, I will have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. I had no clue. Is she the inspiration for the work? Yeah, yeah, writers? that's her first oh, okay. name that's is Malala. Name. Right, but what I'm saying is the the writers put that in there. Oh, for sure. Because that, that definitely is for Molly and Amy. It's like all these feminist icons that yeah. they have. At the beginning of the movie, you have a Michelle Obama picture, Amelia yeah. Earhart, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. No, I, I get all that. But I guess, I guess what I'm saying is I didn't know Malala was a real person. So no. the girls call a cab and are shocked to be picked up by their principal, Jordan Brown. To prepare Amy for possible sex with Ryan, Molly insists they watch porn, which accidentally plays through the car speakers. Brown drops them off at what they think is Nick's party, but it is the home of their classmate, George, who is hosting a murder mystery party. They again encounter Gigi, who reveals that the strawberries were laced with a powerful hallucinogenic drug. Amy and Molly experience a bad trip and hallucinate they are plastic fashion dolls. They leave George's house, but Gigi tells Amy that Molly secretly likes Nick. So Amy insists they press on so that Molly can pursue her crush on Nick. They see pizza boxes in an online video of Nick's party and acquire the address from the pizza delivery man. Molly calls their teacher, Miss Fine, who gives them a ride to Nick's party. Once at the party, Amy and Molly are surprised to find that they are warmly welcomed. Molly and Nick flirt over beer pong and Amy spends time with Ryan. Unfortunately, Amy soon finds Ryan making out with Nick. 
Heartbroken, she finds Molly and calls her own Malala, which Molly refuses because she still thinks she has a chance with Nick. Amy angrily reveals she is not just spending the summer in Botswana, but taking an entire gap year because she resents how Molly always tries to control her life. The two have a huge argument in front of the entire party. So we kind of already talked about uh, Principal Jordan and the whole porn debacle. Um, did you think that they were going to be going to Nick's party or did you see another ruse coming up here? This this is where it started to feel a little Harold and Kumar to me that I thought, oh, they're just going to start bouncing to different locations. And if you know, I don't even know if they're ever going to get to the right party. If it does happen, it's going to be at the end of the movie. Yeah, well, I, I kind of thought that when they got to the yacht. But yeah, yeah. So second stop. What about you? I thought that it was not going to be next party. It's yeah. it's too early in the movie. Yeah, exactly. I know. I love the, that it's this silly murder mystery party. And you get the variety of like what these high school students see as like a fun time. And as someone who was a theater kid in high school, I'm like, yep, I know these people. So would you be at that party or would you be at Nick's party or would I you w- be at Jordan's party? I would be at no party is the thing. Oh, <laughs> At least in high school, I wouldn't have been at any of the parties. Oh, there you go. I got the impression from, especially early on, the dynamic between George and Molly. Both of them love the attention. Both love the spotlight. And so, of course, both of them don't like each other. Yeah. And I like how, you know, they come in and he gives Amy is going to be the farmer. And Molly's going to be the orthodontist who is barren. Who's barren. She's <laughs> like, what? what the fuck? Why do I have to be barren? <laughs> That's not even written in here. Oh, good writing. Good and I writing. love too that of course the parents and the sister are just in the dining room. Yeah, absolutely. And do you see the little sister flip them off? Oh my god, I was laughing so hard. And this is where the strawberries start to kick in. And this is where Gigi pops up and a running gag is, what the fuck? And Gigi's always there. So my, good. My first thought with the strawberries was well, she's just saying there's drugs in them and that they're going to have a freak out, but it, there really was no drugs in it. I didn't expect what happened next. Oh, neither did I. Fucking out of left field. Oh, yeah. I remember um, being in the theater watching the scene where it, it goes to um, animation and there are these dolls and I was just crying because it was so absurd and I I love the creativity of just like, we're going to switch up formats and mediums here. Yeah. Um. And one of my favorite lines in the movie is Amy just looking in the mirror and be like, Molly, I have no genitals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so they basically turn into Barbie dolls or, or the, the shape of them. And yeah, this fucking threw me for a loop a little bit. Well, I, I like how, you know, at first they start talking about how the proportions are way off. We don't even have knees. We can't bend our knees. And look at this. And, you know, I have no nipples. And it's really smooth and I kind of like how it's rounded. Did you see my ass? Yeah. Yeah. Amy's into it. <laughs> Amy's totally into it. Yeah. I thought it was very amusing that these two are on their drug trip having this plastic doll moment. And I am bizarrely curious. I wonder how real this is outside of the hallucination. If I was standing in the room, I hope they're just not doing any of this stuff yeah totally i, I kept thinking what are they going to cut to next that's, oh my that's what when I we come back to real of. life and we see the actors caitlin and um beanie and they're walking like dolls still 
They're walking out the front door, so they've had enough of this shit. They're gone. But I love how you notice they yeah. weren't bending their knees. Yeah, no, they were walking like they were the dolls. <laughs> well, th- this is where we find out the significance of Nick for Molly, that we finally have something uh, substantial that is meaningful to this propelling this story along, why it is so important that they get to this party. Yeah. And that's kind of also you know what you're saying, like, you know, Gigi, this is kind of her role. She moves the story along. We talked about this earlier. She's the one that reveals the crush that she has on Nick. Yeah, and I think um, what I really like about Molly having a crush on Nick is, as someone who was a teen girl is you get all these messages of like, okay, well, I have to be not like the other girls. I can't like the most popular boy or whatever. And Molly having a crush on Nick being like, sometimes I am like everyone else. And like, I want the thing that is most shiny or is like most obvious or whatever. Yeah. I I really like this scene when, you know, she says I I can't because, you know, I'm me. And then Amy just slaps the shit out of her. And she says, don't you ever say another mean word about my best friend or ever say uh, that about yourself again, or I will fucking end you or whatever. She says, I will lay you out. I will lay you out. That is a satisfying moment. It was such a good moment. And it was an empowering moment for both of them. And I fucking really dug it. And she says, you know what? If you want Nick, go get your fucking Nick. Let him be a bookmark in your journey. Yeah, you know? footnote in your story. Yeah. Which is funny because of her problems talking to Ryan. Sure. I mean, well, it's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Right? It's always, always. It's always easier to give advice than take it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So they are now determined to get to uh, Nick's house. How do... Oh, oh how do this we, is... They do what... We'll do what they do best. Homework. That's right. And it was... It's such a great uh, use of their talent if you will, in this, in this setting. I, and at this point I was kind of thinking to myself, what fucking time is it? Do you think? I was wondering that 10, too. 11. I and mean, the they, library is open. Did yeah. you, did you see them? Like I was fist Molly, bumped fist the, bumped the librarian. librarian. Yeah. It was fucking awesome. And then I was thinking all this information, couldn't they got it off the internet? Because what did they do? They I mean, they literally tracked it down to public records and well, the property, funny. and they, they homeworked that bitch. But that wasn't what tipped the scale. Yeah, they did all that work, and really it was just watching a video. Right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, they figure out online that Nick's party got a bunch of pizzas delivered, so they go to the pizza joint, and they randomly get into the pizza delivery driver's car. And this is the scene in the uh, preview as well. But uh, the pizza driver gets in and they pop up and they're, first of all, they're using their hair as masks. I've never seen that. I've never would have fucking thought of that. It was fucking hilarious. And I love their voice changes. Oh my God. No, (laughs) that didn't make you sound any older. (laughs) This whole interaction between the pizza driver and them. I thought it was brilliant. It totally, again, something didn't go the way I thought it would, where he was just like, you don't get into a stranger's car. You don't do this. Do you have a gun? I do. Well, I do, right? And then he's talking about taking them to the edge of town or right at the freeway, and he's completely describing what a serial killer would do. And then he's like, okay, here's the fucking address because he, you know, I guess has a heart. And and then something comes back to it later that just fucking a cherry well, on top. Well, I just love the, the ending of this scene where it's like, well, as long as we're already in your car, you want to drive us to this party? Well, okay. No, get the hell out of my car. Yeah, that was good. I know. I love Molly says quick cue. She says that a couple times yeah. in the film. I'm like, oh, I love that. Quick cue. Quick cue. You ever use that on set? Quick cue. No. 
<laughs> what is But that? I should. I should take that. Just what? a quick question. Oh, quick cue. That's a quick question. Yeah. What yeah. letter does question start with? I didn't know if it was some kind of filming terminology that I just don't know. <laughs> but it was in the movie. I know, but I didn't understand what that, why she used that specific term. Okay. Thank you for explaining it so nicely. They need a ride still. So who do they call? Well, they only have, she only has, what, 2% on her phone. Oh, and Amy right. has lost her phone because she left it in the, she left in the pizza, pizza guy's bill, driver's yeah. car. So they call Miss Fine. And I thought that was a nice callback because Amy had gotten the, her phone number and Miss Fine was cool with her and with both of them, really. And the, Miss Fine comes and picks them up. She's going to take them to Nick's house. And apparently she has a bunch of clothes in her car because she she's a them- single woman in Los Angeles. That's right. I love their interaction where, you know, usually like a teacher would say, taking you to an unsupervised uh, underage party, you know, all that. And she would say, you know, hell no. But she was like, about damn time. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't I, I didn't see her fighting it in any way. She had been super cool and super supportive. So um, I expected her to drop them off and then leave. Mm-hmm. But what happens? And I, I love that moment when Molly and Amy get out in the car because they. This isn't the first time they do it, but they're just hyping each other up so much. Like oh, you take my breath away. Yeah. You are the most beautiful creature I've ever seen. Yeah. And I just love that. Yeah, and then Miss Fine really likes it too. And but she finally goes, "Get in there," you know. But I like how too Miss Fine said, "Well, wouldn't it be funny if I?" Or shows, "I'll see you in there." Wouldn't it be funny if I really went to the party? And yeah, that was that was a big chuckle. So, um, I do. I did think it was clever the way put them in the sparkly outfits because at the party you could spot them at any point. I mean, they stood out. They were the ones in these glamorous kind of sparkly sure, outfits. Sure. And here's where I thought it was going. They were going to walk in and people were going to be like, what the fuck are you doing Cold here? Cold shoulder. Yeah. And, and just people just being real dicks and making fun of the way they dress because in any other typical high school movie, that's exactly what would happen. Right. My thought, and I actually even said to myself, I might just turn this movie off, was it was going to be a typical teen prank movie. Oh, they were going to get in and everyone's going to be super nice to them. And then they're going to get some kind of, you know, five minutes in the closet with somebody or whatever. And it's going to turn into this nasty prank on both of them that they're both going to have to deal with later. And I really didn't want to see that. So, again, the swerve like was really pleasant to see it go a different direction. Yeah, yeah Tanner um, talked to them, who is one of the guys who was um, kind of talking bad about Molly earlier. And it's like, hey, I'm so glad you guys are here. Like, I'm your guy. You need anything. And I, I think that this movie, again, is, is really true to life. That kind of once you are at the end of high school or start to get out of high school, you're like, oh, maybe the things that we thought were important aren't like these these clicks or these ideas of our groups like man we're all just we're all just people we're just trying to have fun whatever yeah. and I, I like that because i feel like even in high school for me at towards the end of senior year people start to warm up to each other of this like oh probably won't see you again maybe we should yeah be nice and friendly and stuff yeah so it was it was nice to see that when they walk into the party that everyone accepted them you know, and as far as your prank theory, I thought for sure when, you know, Nick and Molly finally get to talk and they're playing beer pong and, you know, he's all, I can't believe you made it. This is all I ever wanted was just to hang out and just get to know you. I was thinking that fucker better not be pranking her or I'm going to be fucking pissed. Right. At this point, I, I couldn't decide whether I could trust any of these people. Right. But it turns out you can. And I also uh, love that moment when they walk into the party and Molly sees Nick and there's this dream sequence oh my gosh, dance. Yeah. Yeah. It's so silly, but it's so great of like, yeah, that is what it feels like when you 
like have a high school crush where you're like, oh my God, it's yeah. like out of a movie. Yeah. And then uh, Amy finds Ryan. I love that interaction with Amy and Ryan of like, oh, I'm so glad you came out. And Amy's like, yes, I came out in the 10th grade. <laughs> and it's like, are, are you going to Uganda? And she's like, no, Botswana, like Uganda, like hates gay people. And she's like, would you be afraid to go to Uganda? And yeah. I love that again of um, Amy's, been out but it's still the idea of like how do i talk about it with other people or like find out if other people are also gay so. right right it's it's her trying to step out and uh you know have a conversation and get outside of her comfort zone and yeah. and they did a really good job and this kind of leads us to um one of my other favorite sequences is this karaoke sequence um a i love that fucking song right alanis morissette can't go wrong well, didn't you what well, actually, wasn't that? Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. That wasn't last. Yeah, time. you ought to know. But yeah, uh, you ought to know, buddy. Did you not think that she was going to drop the mic and run out? No, I did not expect her to belt that song out. Uh, I kind of felt it. I felt that after you know um, what's been happening is happening. I thought, well, maybe they are just going to go for it, and she does, and she fucking rocked it. Yeah, um, Caitlin Deaver in real life is in a band with her sister, so she's yeah. a great singer. Yeah, yeah. it was a, a great scene. And I love that. I don't know if it took me a couple of viewings to catch it. Um, when George is singing, he goes, you ought to know, Alan. Alan, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Amy is hanging out with Ryan after this karaoke bit, and they decide to go swimming. And uh, this was an interesting scene to me. It was just her gliding through the water and watching people. There are two uh, favorite camera shots of mine in this movie this pool scene is one of them just the, the way it was filmed with the lighting and the the shadows coming down and the people i loved the way they kind of filmed it, her swimming around the people yeah yeah for and sure. the reveal is so good because you know immediately you see underwater two people are like clinging on to each other and you're like oh that's ryan with all those tattoos and as um amy and the camera come out of the water who is it but nick right yeah who else could it be and, and I agree. Uh, the underwater photography in conjunction with the music at this point is probably my favorite moment in the movie. It is done so beautifully and majestically. And it feels so tender and pure. And she's finally reached this moment where she is able to accept it's going to be okay. And I am going to make this go. And then it has to, yep. Okay. Yep. That's exactly what's just going to happen. Yep. And yep. That happened. I was going to say, like, I think in many ways, like I identify with Amy um, and like her at this party is like her first time, like just saying yes to things. Like, I think they're the kind of people who, as we talked about, like get in their own way, whatever. But she's like, I'm just going to say yes and do something. And like in that moment, like stripping down and going into a pool feels like revolutionary for her sure absolutely it's a huge fucking step and when she gets and when uh nick and uh ryan come into focus and she figures that who it out she immediately swims away and just the the fear and panic in uh her face as she's trying to get dressed and she, she got to tell molly and she did such a great job who was it caitlin beavers deaver deaver <laughs> beavers. beavers uh don't look at me like that fuck face you don't do names either uh caitlin deavers does such a great job in this moment that i felt so bad for her i was my heart was broken for her yeah because and you you know it's like the only thing worse 
for Amy than seeing the girl she likes make out with a boy is having to tell Molly that what she just saw, which leading into their fight, she she can't even tell yeah. Molly what she saw right? because she wants to protect her. Right. This leads into my second favorite camera shot, which is the long take of her walking through the Amy house. walking through the house and the camera, you know, she takes a step forward and the camera goes backwards and all one long take all the way up to the point where she finds Molly. Yeah. I thought this was, I mean, just in the kitchen, everything was a fantastic shot. Yeah. Yeah. It, it all worked together beautifully. One thing that uh, going into this that I thought was interesting take with Molly was when Nick told her not to move, stay still, stay in this spot. I expect you to stay in this spot. And Molly did it. That's completely out of character for Molly. It's, it's it's interesting that they changed at that point of maybe she's learned her lesson of not to let a guy have that much power over her. I was going to say, I think it's um, the opposite of like she, like her journey is like being so headstrong and independent that in this moment, she's like, it's okay for me to want things that are traditional or like in this moment, listen to someone else. And that is okay. Yeah. Yeah. And she does. And then. Amy's coming in to save her and, you know, trying to be her best friend. But like you were saying, she can't, she can't get the words out. She just, they need to leave right now. She calls Malala and Molly says, no, Molly fucking says no. Yeah. And, and there's a couple things that Molly says that so heartbreaking. And, and again, reminds me of the Parks and Rec episode. And Leslie tells Anne, like, if I didn't push you every once in a while, you'd stand up standing still. And Molly says almost something like, if I didn't push you to do things, you wouldn't do anything. Right. And Amy's like, but I didn't ask you to do that. And one of the choices I really love in this film uh, or in the scene is it's a pretty long argument. And at some point the audio just goes out and you just see them yelling at each other and all these people around them are filming. And I, I'd love to know if that's a choice that they made in post or it was written into the script, but it's that like, oh shit, I've had this fight with my best friend. And it's like, what they're saying doesn't even matter. It's this moment, like it's their breaking point because they do everything together. They love each other, but it's like, I'm going to be real with you and say negative things and hurtful things. Watching this the second time, I wanted to specifically tune in on the soundtrack, on the music. And I don't know if you noticed this, but while they were arguing, the music is building and getting louder and louder and drowning them out to the point where, again, you couldn't hear what they were saying. So that's where, again, the music played a big role in this movie. It's showing that whatever is being said, the words don't matter anymore. It is the feelings that are being conveyed and the the damage that is being done because of this, regardless of what is said, that doesn't matter anymore. What matters is the, is the emotional damage that is happening at this moment. And then they turn around and everyone has their fucking phone out filming it. Yeah, I noticed early on, and I'm, I think that's what they must have done with the flashes, the lights. Yeah, and all yeah, this. oh yeah. You no, you, the you, lights start popping on. Yeah, you get it early on. And it's a total teenage thing to do, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, of course they were going to film it. Amy runs to the bathroom in tears, finding her classmate Hope. They are initially argumentative until Amy kisses her. They start to have sex, but Amy vomits on Hope. Jared and Molly have a heartfelt conversation about how no one at school really knows them. Cops arrive at the party and everyone scatters. Unable to find Amy, Molly is driven home by AAA, a student girl with a promiscuous reputation. They bond over stereotyping they both have endured. Waking up on graduation day, Molly checks her phone and discovers her classmates praising Amy for having created a diversion at the party. 
allowing everyone to escape while getting herself arrested. Molly visits Amy in jail, and they reconcile. Learning the pizza delivery man is a serial killer, they trade information to free Amy, and they rush to attend graduation. Molly kisses Jared on stage and gives an improvised valedictorian speech, both enthusiastically applauded. A few days later, as Amy packs for her trip to Botswana, Molly sees Hope visit and gives Amy her phone number. Molly drives Amy to the airport where they share a tearful goodbye, but then Amy decides that she has time to hang out before her flight, so they ecstatically decide to get pancakes. Roll credits. I don't know what I was expecting after this fight. Um, I thought maybe that they would both just leave or, you know, just separate. Uh, but Amy finds herself in the bathroom. And of course there's that hope chick, the right? bully. Yeah. And stay, I mean, and Amy even calls her out on it, right? You mean you, you say you are just being honest and, and calling people on their shit, but the reality of it is you're just fucking mean. Right. And hopes like, well, maybe I am. <laughs> I don't like meek people. Yeah. That was, it was kind of a weird interaction at first. Um, but yeah, then they start to make out. Yeah. I was going to say, I think this movie really takes a lot of care with this sex scene and also specifically it being a queer sex scene. Cause I think a lot of times in film, like um, if two women are having sex, it's very like pornographic or male gaze and like, objectifies the women but i remember reading about how much care olivia wilde took in filming the scene like it was just her the actors and i think the cinematographer like came up in the bathroom so it was like a close set and what i really liked about it too is like they're both figuring out everything and it's awkward and true to life of like they, they don't know what they're doing but they're just they're just going for it yeah um this the scene was treated with respect and you could feel it. it that came across on uh screen and what i appreciated um was that they were taking this intimate moment and they throw in the fucking uh the comedy bit right yeah. uh amy touches the wrong hole well she says the geography is all off yeah, yeah she's like i haven't approached it from this angle <laughs> i love i love the fact that you know you're talking about it. it's not the typical scene it's awkward and it's very realistic people you know it's not fantastic the first time you know yeah. It's, and yeah it's awkward in a way that isn't um shaming the two people it's 100% like, agree it's awkward and that's okay and it's funny and we can laugh about it and in we, a way that doesn't doesn't bring anyone down and we did laugh about it because this was another moment where i couldn't fucking breathe it was so funny to me and to then me, she takes a sip of that nasty I, I didn't solo cup was i didn't yeah i don't know what I think, it was i think there was like someone was using it as an ashtray so there was yeah. like a cigarette or a joint in there and so while uh, Hope and Amy are trying to figure things out, um, Molly and Jared have a, a really nice uh, heartfelt conversation. You know what I mean? I love when he says, I want to fucking design airplanes. It was just in the way he delivers it, the way the actor delivers it. I just, it was, it was a good moment. This is know? where I thought, Oh, Don's going to call me out because why does he say, was he, what does he say he wants to do with the money he gets from designing airplanes? He wants uh, to make, uh, he wants to produce original Broadway musicals. None of this adaptation shit. And I, I just, I saw in my head, Don looking at the screen going, that's fucking John. What'd you think of this scene? I thought it was a touching scene and it was eventually where I decided that Jared and, you know, I think 
I have written him off incorrectly. He is going to be the hope that this, that this movie needs at this point, where we have something to look forward to. And sure enough, you know, Molly sees this as well. And so for this conversation to happen, we haven't had the, this kind of a conversation with any of the other characters. Sure. Nobody else of the supporting characters has given anything even remotely close to this. They've more or less been, I don't want to say stereotypical, but they're kind of sort of being true to their brand that we have been introduced to. Sure. Yeah. And I love the moment. He also talks about Gigi and why he's friends with her. And he's like, she's a sad person. And I, I love this. Um, again, this moment just to see like, Oh, my classmates are people too. And they're more complicated than I gave them credit for. Yeah. So they have this tender moment and uh, then the cops come. And so everyone has to leave. And I mean, who hasn't been a party? Who hasn't been to a party where the cops have come? Right. So you, both of you fuckers. Yeah. You have never had to run from the cops in high school from a party. No, but I will spill the beans on my brother. Okay. He, he used to go to a lot of parties and I, he told me a story one time. Actually, he showed up in my room breathing, having and panting because he had to run. He was at a party. He was like leaning against the doorway, talking to some girl that he was interested in. And the police showed up and they came in quietly. But on Mercer Island, we had pretty much two cops that showed up to everything. One was just a badass that he loved to intimidate kids, pulling them over, you know, throwing them in jail for any reason he could find. And another one that was a female cop that was the nicest person in the world and so relatable. Luckily for him, she's the one that reached in, grabbed him, pulled him out of the party, out the door and said, run, go home. And he did that. He ran all the way home over a mile. And that's when he showed up panting in my bedroom. Oh, so your brother got away with it. Yep, totally. Good for him. So after everyone leaves, uh, well, as everyone is scattering out, Molly is walking home and uh, she gets picked up or off offered a ride from AAA. Yeah. What'd you guys think of this? I thought that it was, uh, once again, nice to have finally some sort of resonance with these characters that there's something more to them than just this over-the-top persona that we've seen through pretty much the majority of the movie. And so having this AAA uh, reveal that she just likes helping people and picking people up, I, I thought it was it was refreshing because I haven't had much of this in the movie where we actually get to know these characters. Yeah. Yeah. And well, that's she, not all. That's not all she likes. Yeah. And as she says, she's like, I help people, but also I like having sex. And I think that's great because in, again, in lots of other movies, um, it would have been like, Oh, this nickname was, um, there's no ground for it. It would have been just rumors or Molly or someone would have shamed her for it. But that moment of her claiming it and being like, yeah, I like I did that but it's other people who like put the shitty nickname on me that that's what makes it negative not what not my actions right and what's heartbreaking is when they're driving and she says you know the, the boys doing it is one thing but all the girls call me it too that fucking sucks you know and I felt bad for her I mean I felt you know it sucks one thing I liked about this scene again this movie just keeps throwing curveballs at you where you think it's going to go one way, you think it's going to go another way. Usually it's our hero character, our main character that's reaching out to somebody to kind of create that bond. And this, you know, AAA was the one who's kind of said the nasty things in the beginning, but was being real. She was telling her how it was. Yet she's the one that reached out and tried to make the bridge to Molly. 
Yeah. Because Molly at first didn't want to get, and she was like, oh, anybody but you kind right. of thing. Right. And got it. And she's the one who started talking about, and she's the one that built the bridge between the two of them, basically saying, you know, kind of revealing one of the reasons why I didn't want to talk to you when we get to school, because I don't want you to use that nickname. I don't want people to know my nickname. And I just like to, you know, I wish, you know, just call me by my real name. And she goes, Annabelle, not now. And so in the meantime, uh, the cops are at the house and uh, Amy decides to step up and be the hero in the diversion and creates a diversion for the cops. And I love the bit when she's getting escorted out and she says, uh, (laughs) but before that, she's talking about how, um, like it's more expensive to house an inmate than it is yes, to go to she's college. Him like, all the stats. Of course, even as she's getting arrested, have yeah. to have to give the speech, have to spread the truth. And I love how she even calls out, "This is a bit excessive." Then <laughs> <laughs> she says, "The shotgun." No, really, yeah. I don't have one. Yeah, that was good. Uh, and then we wake up the next morning. It is graduation day. You know, at this point, when we got to this point in the movie, I forgot it was fucking graduation. I was like, "Oh fuck, they got to graduate, right?" And we come to find out that. Fucking Amy got arrested. I love walking in when Molly's walking into the precinct and she's walking down the hallway. Did you catch the face on the wall at first? I did. As soon as I saw it, I I saw it and I went, wait, what's that? And so I rewound it and paused it and wanted to read the whole thing because I didn't know if they were going to come back to that. And I love that they used that. Yeah. And I love that he's the Valley Strangler, which is where I live. (laughs) Because of course the serial killers from the Valley. But yeah, I, I immediately and and. Overall, this movie did a really good job of like weaving everyone in. Like there were no, there weren't really throwaway characters. Like the principal, the teacher, the pizza guy, they all come back to play, which it, they didn't have to, but it, but it's great. Yeah. It makes the interaction and in the scene earlier on in the movie where he's telling, don't get into a stranger's car. It makes it even more powerful. It makes it just even better. The fact that he's the strangler was the one that's giving them advice about how not to get killed. Yeah. And Molly being Molly, she, and I didn't notice this and I don't know if it shows it or not, but she takes the fucking flyer with her. Right. Well, she comes back and grabs it. Oh, does she? Yeah. Yeah, I think she looks at it and it cuts away and then later on we see it. And I love when she gets in there and Amy comes up and there's not, I mean, they're genuinely happy to see each other because what does Molly say? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not here to see you. I'm here to see someone else. They just had this big blow up the night before and they're already back to, you know, where they're at. The banter. Yeah. You know, and that's friendship. Because they they got it all out. Yeah, absolutely. But she, and she says this, she's like, I know women apologize too much, but I have to say, I'm sorry. It's like, even though they're, they're friendly again, she does like, it's not just that they sweep it away and forget it. It's like, I'm sorry for what I said. Because they're like, there's truth in what we we were yelling at each other about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that was good that they, they, uh, you know, got that all tied up. Uh, but now they have to get to the graduation and, um, you know, they cut to Jason Sudeikis. They're holding it. Cause they're waiting for Molly. Cause she's the valedictorian and, uh, Amy, Gigi's playing the piano. Gigi's playing the piano brilliantly, by the way. I mean, yeah. she's a really good pianist. They threw her in, in all the right ways. Oh, she is the wild card, most valuable player of this fucking film mm-hmm. for sure. I really enjoyed Gigi's character. Um, but you know, back at the police station, uh, Amy's like, how are you going to get me out? And fucking Molly has the solution. They trade the information. So they get out and they, of course they have Jared's car. See, that's, the th- you know, that's the only place where I feel like something was missing. Like, how did she get Jared's car? But then I realized, well, maybe, you know, there was more interaction than we realized. Oh, there had Molly to have been. Yeah. And there, Jared. There was, there was, uh, she's a, Mo- Molly's a planner. This is one of my favorite uses of the music in the movie that, uh, 
Run Run the Jewel song is so good. Um, and also I love as they're pulling out of the precinct, Jared's license plate is fuckboy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My question is though, the scene with them driving to the graduation, why is she swerving all over the place? She knows how to drive. Because it's fun. Is it? It's just crazy. Yeah. Well, maybe she's not used to driving that fast. And when you drive that fast, sometimes the car gets away from you. And it so, is a muscle car. And it is yeah. a fucking That's muscle car. Point. Yeah. So Jared has to, uh, Molly tapped him in. That was the term. And uh, the principal's like, well, are you sure? And then Jared tells uh, the principal what Molly would have said or told what Molly yeah, said. On the Senate floor, right, a and- representative <laughs> can vote by proxy. It's like, okay, that sounds like Molly. But yeah, and with the car coming in, such a great fucking entrance. And then everybody's cheering, right? I mean, such a turnaround. Uh, for they, both these characters they made just an epic and first of all the again i love this high school that they just let them get away with that but just the epic entrance you know this is something they're always going to remember now what do you think of when molly finally got up on stage and gave her improvised speech oh i thought it was heartfelt and it was wonderful mm-hmm. yeah and again that moment of she is a planner she's planned everything She's going to take this moment to to forget everything she planned and just speak from the heart which yeah. is great she fucking nailed it Absolutely. I, I, I had to pull, I think, a dawn at this point and just accept the fact of where the hell were any of the parents? They, Don't were, the, they were behind. They were on they, bleachers. I couldn't see any. And I kept thinking, wouldn't either of the parents have noticed that their daughters are late? Wouldn't they be a little concerned? Um, yeah, maybe, but. Well, I was going to say that uh, they, t- they told Amy's parents that Amy was sleeping over at Molly's, so right. they wouldn't be concerned. And then you get the vibe that Molly's, like, Maybe has a single parent and is not involved as much or something. So, yeah. do we ever meet Molly's parents? No, 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 no. Molly's home life is conspicuously underdeveloped. Oh, yeah. So there you go. And it's curious that we have Amy in jail, and she chose not to call her parents yeah. on graduation day because she didn't want to be in trouble. That's how I took it for it's, sure. And I'm like, oh. You have worked your entire high school career to reach this point to sit it out. Well, in the conversation, Amy even forgets that it's graduation day. She's like, oh, shit. Like, she was so caught up in getting arrested, she forgot what day it was. Yeah. And I think maybe deep down inside, she knew that Molly would come get her. That's what I like to think. Or I think, I think too, again, I relate to Amy where it's like, sometimes you are so caught up in what the rules are, whatever you forget, like you can ask for help or be like, if she gets her, she's like, well, this is my fate. Guess I'm just dealing with it. You're like, no, you can like call your parents. You can ask for help. Uh, So after graduation, uh, Amy is packing for Botswana and they're having a moment. To go make tampons. To, uh, hey. That's Li- a real thing. Li- yeah, and I, I know 100%. Lions can smell blood. They're that, saving lives. That was one of the jokes that this time I picked up on and I didn't notice before was um, after she says, I'm saving lives, um, George says, well, I don't like big cats. Right. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. This, the, the panda callback scene. So earlier on, we got introduced to the panda and what Amy uses it for. And then when she packs it, Lisa Kudrow comes in and she starts, you know, I remember this panda and it, oh my God, it was so funny. And then the, and the expression or even what Molly was saying, like, no, 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 put that down. Her facial expressions. Yeah. Oh, it was so funny. And then this is when hope comes to, and they have a little talk and like, um, hope basically tells Amy, like, it's totally fine. And she's like, 
I'm probably getting backpacked this summer. And it's like, if you were in Botswana. And I like this moment because um, it is awkward and like maybe they'll see each other again. But at the heart of it, like it's not Booksmart isn't about them getting in relationships or finding people. It's about their friendship and, and them having love interests that that comes second. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a subplot and <clears throat> they do such a good job with it. You know, and we don't need a resolution there to that story. Uh, Hope comes just to check on her and they make sure that they're both okay. And it was a cool experience and let's keep in touch, blah, blah, blah. And no, you know, no just, hard feelings that you threw up on me. Yeah. And I, I, mean, I would have been pissed. But anyways, I love too that Molly is in the window and she's just looking at them with her jaw on the floor because. Amy was in prison, so didn't have time to tell Molly about this. That's right. Like, well, I, yeah, I Molly that. had no idea this was happening. I like how she started off with, what the hell is she doing here? And then you could see over, you know, in the window, she's getting happier and more excited yeah. and like, oh my God, go for it. Yeah. This, um, this final scene though with Molly and Amy makes me cry pretty much every time of them saying goodbye and then having this tearful moment, um, and then Amy coming back and me like, ah. Yeah, so they take you on this emotional roller coaster, right? They're, it's really heartfelt. They, they're they saying goodbye. Um, the song's playing. And then Amy jumps out in front of the fucking car and she says, I can be the last. I had to rewind it because I couldn't I didn't, couldn't tell what she said. Wait, you didn't watch this with subtitles? I thought you watched all I did, but I subtitles. went. Okay, hey, I can't read the subtitles when there's tears in my eye. Okay? I'll fucking say it. It had me tearing up a little bit, and you I had to rewind it. You, you so teared could, up. You have at a this heart? bit, yes. Friendships, man. Come on. What I really, I, I know you're going to get into this, but what I really liked is at this moment, you know, Molly's got the tear coming down her face, and she even calls out, I was having a moment. Yeah. How could you? Uh, yeah. I was having a moment. Why'd you do this? Um, and then this last line. I mean, it was so fitting the way this ends, you know. So she says, uh, I can be the last one on the plane. You want to get some pancakes? And then Molly's response. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, I want to get some fucking pancakes. See, that's something I could see you saying. Totally, right? Yeah. Uh, And then the movie ends. So, What did you think of during the credits, the water balloons? Oh, I thought that was cute. You mean the water condom balloons? Yes, the the condom balloons. I I thought these were regular because they were all colored. No, they were condoms. Were they also? Okay. Yeah. I thought there was no way that the goodbye was going to go like that. How how does Amy not even get out of the car? How do you, that's what I thought. Here's too. your lifelong friend, and you're just staying in the car, and you're not going to have a hug. And when that doesn't happen, no, it's no, it's not ending like this. They are totally going to reconnect again in just a few moments, and there it is. Yeah, yeah. But it was a great reconnect. So, what do you guys think? You guys ready to rate this bitch? Hey, professor. How do we rate our movies? We rate our movies on a scale of one to five fucks. Five fucks is a movie that is cinematic gold. You're ready to watch that again anytime somebody says, hey, you want to see that? Yes, I do. A one, one fuck is it's one and done. You had some sort of an interest to see it and that's it. I'm done. That was not worth one more second of my time. And what's a zero fuck? A zero fuck is somebody who 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 made me watch this because you owe me two fucking hours of my life back. You motherfucker. That's right. Who wants to go first? Not it. Not it. Not it. You go first. All right. 
I really enjoyed this film. Like I said earlier, it was the first time that I had seen it. I do have to say it did remind me a lot of Superbad, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because I really enjoyed Superbad. I in, I've enjoyed all of the high school movies, Fast Times, Days to Confused, and you know all the John Hughes's movies. Uh, what I really appreciate about this film, though, was the script and the cast. Uh, the story was simple, and even though this high school story has been done a thousand times, it still felt very fresh and uh, different. To see the high school experience through our female protagonist brought a new twist to the paint-by-numbers genre. Uh, we have mostly seen high school movies through the eyes of the guys, and, you know, in, it was nice to see that we're now at a point where being male or female doesn't fucking matter. What matters is the story and does it speak to you in any certain way? And, you know, do you, can you relate with it? The dialogue was sharp. The direction was on point. Uh, the movie was well-paced, well-edited, and the soundtrack was a lot of fun. Saying earlier, uh, there were a lot of scenes where I was laughing so hard I couldn't breathe, and it had been a long time since a movie had made me do that, so I really appreciate that it uh, that this film was able to do that. I appreciate that Olivia Wilde didn't pull any punches. She didn't shy away from showing the audience inside of what goes on in teenagers mind and, and how it is the friendship between the two girls. I absolutely love no matter what was happening, no matter what was said, no matter what was done at the end of the day, they always had each other's back. And sometimes that's rare to find, you know, so it was nice to be seen uh, portrayed on screen. Overall, this movie was a lot of fun, and I can't wait to watch it again. So for those reasons, I'm giving Booksmart 4.25 fucks. Alrighty then. Would you like me to go next? Sure, buddy. Whatever you want to do. I am happy to go next. First of all, I want to call out Olivia Wilde. For her first like you know, director debut, I thought she did a great job. You know, the we talked about it earlier. You know, you mentioned it dom the pace of this movie was great there was no point that i felt bored or was too long or wanted to look at my watch it flowed really well it did have super bad vibes and again not an issue it it called out a lot of other movies this was in in essence when you when you bring it all together is a buddy movie and there are some classic buddy movies out there and i think this will become a classic buddy movie whenever i think of them this is going to be in my top five of all buddy movies out there um i love that this movie was kind of a movie about redemption you know these two high school people who focused only on high school were redeeming themselves and and making those friends that they never made and making those connections that they never you know never had and it was great to see that whole process throughout the whole movie i love the fact that that this breaks the typical stereotypes. Everything that I thought was going to happen, I thought there was going to be a prank played on them. I thought they're going to show up to the party and everyone's going to be like, why are you here? I thought that, you know, there were going to be kids that were just bullies and mean to them for no particular reason and that they were just going to have to deal with it. But no, everyone had a backstory. Everyone had, in essence, a good heart. And everybody was just about, you know, closure and closing down their high school career and moving on. But, you know, opening up, they, people were so excited to see them at that party and see them getting out of, you know, see them outside of school and seeing them in a different environment that I thought it was just really refreshing and unexpected. I thought the two main actresses in this movie created a believable friendship. 
you believed about him and you cared about him. A movie that draws you in to care about the main characters and wanting to see them get, you know, the benefits at the end and, and a happy ending is a good movie in essence. You know, if you don't care about the characters, you don't care about the movie. And this movie really draws you in to care about those characters. Really, I, and I was trying to think what kind of movie, you know, was this a comedy or was it a coming of age movie? And it kind of fit both those into one general theme. It is a coming in age movie that has a great comedy background. I mean, you're laughing, as you said, there's so many scenes that you just laugh at and you can't believe. And, you know, if you really want to have a lot of fun, watch it with your Nana, because that brings a whole new element to this movie on rewatchability. I watched it on Tuesday night and then turned around and watched it again on Wednesday and enjoyed it just as much. It was, you know, it gave me a chance to try to catch some of those lines that I missed, to look at things in the background, to focus a little more on the music and the soundtrack. This is a movie I can see watching again and again. I don't know if I'd watch it every night, but if it came on, I think I would watch it. I think I would watch it from start to finish because, again, the flow is so great in this movie that you don't find yourself bored at all. So, in essence, breaking it all down... What would I, you know, what rating would I give this movie? Because I enjoyed it so much, I am going to give it four fucks. All right, so that's 4.25 fucks from me, four fucks from our comic book guy. Professor, would you like to go? Sure. I shall rate Booksmart. So going into Booksmart, I didn't necessarily know what to expect out of this movie. This movie was going to be kind of sort of a wacky, zany tale you know looking at the beginning of the preview that i saw when i'm on imdb it's like all right it's going to be a little bit like this so more to the point i thought that what it was going to end up being wasn't really what i i wasn't satisfied in what i got out of what i thought it was going to be i want to give big props to olivia wilde i thought that she did some really nice directorial work especially for this being her first movie for the most part, I find that these two main characters are very likable. Amy and Molly are these quirky outsiders that look at themselves, I think, kind of sort of above everybody else. And the rest of the supporting cast, I just sort of felt like that each one of these characters, they're so over the top that I didn't necessarily have anybody that I could relate to. I understand that Amy and Molly are my protagonists, and so... You know, I've hitched my wagon to these characters and, and where we go with them, it's going to be it's going to be good because these are strong characters. But at the same time, you know, I also thought that, you know, for the most part, it looks like that this is more to the heart of being a female empowerment movie, you know, especially how Olivia Wilde is approaching this movie as we move our way through the story that, you know, there is some really sensitive stuff that is handled very gently. And I thought that the way she handled it was done well and having it go unexpectedly like this. I, what are these characters motivation? What is this movie going to be about for them? And it's, party that is that it oh that is it well all right and i guess that's going to be the whole focus about this movie is that people that they didn't necessarily seem to care about or think that much about now they want to try to prove to these people that they are a part of that as well i didn't see that connection 
I don't understand. If it hasn't made any difference to them before, why does it now? Why is this important to them now? And it, okay, well, I, that's not how I thought it was going to go. And so I, I found that for the most part, it wasn't the movie that I was hoping that it was going to be. Having strong female characters, delightful, absolutely. If you look at like female empowerment or quirky characters, look at somebody like uh, Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. That's a really strong character movie where we see our characters. To have female characters that are really strong and bold and we have deep character building, Thelma and Louise. I, and so this is more for, I guess, Booksmart's for a younger crowd. And maybe I'm just a little bit older for it. And the busy pace of it, perfectly good with it. But for the most part, it didn't land where I thought the movie was going to land. And because of that, I'm giving the movie three fucks. Three fucks from the professor. Bellamy, would you like to give a review? Yeah. Um, obviously, I, I love this movie. I, I brought it to the table. Um I like I saw this movie um right after my freshman year of college. So being a senior in high school was a very fresh experience for me and I saw it with my best friend. Um and so as Ken said like about for a younger crowd like I really connected with this film. I I love their friendship and one of the things I really like about this movie um and their friendship is with Amy we get um a queer character and a queer love story, but it's not about coming out. That's not her struggle. Um, it's not about learning to accept liking girls. It, for her, the struggle is like, how do I talk to a girl? And I think that's something I have not seen before or seen often. Um, I also think this movie is so funny. Like every every time I rewatch it, I pick up on a new joke. There's always things that's like just stick in my mind or like I can reference a quote with my friend and we'll laugh about it. Um, and I think for me, again, I love that this movie, like, like you, you were talking about, you're not sure what their objective is. Um, but their, their journey of like getting out of their own way, you know, um, I think it can be hard, especially when, you're a young woman to like figure out where you belong or what you want out of life or what's acceptable. And then figuring out like there's more to life than just academics and all that stuff. And, and also learning because they're such good friends and such close friends, um, how to also be their own person. Like at the end they're saying goodbye and like, they're going to be separate for the first time in their life and coming into that. And and I do think, like, it is a short movie in terms of, like, time. It's not going to have, like, this giant character arc, but I love where they end up. But for me, this movie, it's a five-fucks movie. <laughs> Going right to the top. Five-fucks for Melanie. Yeah, I, like I said, I saw this movie before it was theatrically released, and I wanted to see it again right away. Had to wait for it to actually come out. Um, and I've seen this movie a bunch of times since. I recommend it to people all the time. I own it on DVD. Um, I love it. And it's it's definitely a movie that I see being like a classic going forward that in 20, 30 years time, like this will be a movie that people reference in in their 
coming of age movies. Oh, 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. This is this generation's uh, Fast Times at Richmond High. You clueless. Know, uh, yeah. Clueless. Weird science. And any of the high school movies that are quotables, right? Definitely. I agree with you 100% on that. <clears throat> now comes the time in our podcast where we are going to select our next movie. And I thought uh, we would have our guest selected for us. But before we do that, I hear you're making a movie. Yeah. Um, Tell us all about it. Yeah, so I am, like I said, a senior at CSUN, and I'm studying film production. So I just wrapped up on a senior thesis film that I wrote and direct called um, Monong, and it takes place in the 1930s and is about a Filipino immigrant who's a farm worker and falls in love with a white woman who works at a taxi dance hall. Can you spell the name of the title? Yeah, if you want to check out our film, it's you can find it at monong.film on Instagram. So that's M-A-N-O-N-G dot film on Instagram. And there we have links to promo videos, um, our fundraising page, and we'll have updates for when you can see the movie. Right on, right on. Uh, we're excited to check it out. You are director, writer, producer? Um, I don't have producing credit. I did do nature of a student film. I did do some producery things, logistics and stuff, but I had three great producers on this project. Um, How big was your crew? It was pretty big. Um, Over 30 people, honestly. Um, Impressive. Yeah. On the small days, um, because we filmed at a farm, so we had a a crew limit, including cast and extras, it was like 35 people. And the bigger days, um, it was like 60, 65 people, including cast. What was your favorite part of shooting? I think for, for me, this my favorite part was getting to um, make a project on the biggest scale I've made it with other people and with my friends. Um, two, two of the people who host this podcast um, were taught me filmmaking in eighth grade. That was the first time I made a movie. And a lot of the, like everything I made up through when I graduated high school is just me and my camera with my friends acting. So it was really great to get to do the more collaborative part of filmmaking and get to really focus in on directing, not having to worry about camera or that kind of stuff. And also just seeing my script come to life. Because I've been working on the script First had the idea December 2020, shot February 2022. Um, so you like when you're writing and directing, like you see something in your head, but getting to see it in real life, nothing like it. Fantastic. Well, we are all really proud of you. Congratulations. Thank you. I was going to ask, um, this is probably the biggest budget budget movie you've ever got to make. How did it feel to work with such a, you know, it's not just, you know, a home video or a video like we make for 48 hours where we're rushing out and just trying to gather all stuff. You actually had a nice size budget for this movie. What was that like to finally have something like that? Yeah, it was surreal. Cause like, um, because I wasn't producing, I wasn't the one actually spending the money. Um, it was funny looking at these numbers and sometimes I'm like, that's not a real number. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that's, that's a year's tuition. Or I'm like, this is like someone's annual salary. Um, but it was really cool because I got to do all these things to make the movie good. Like the costumes were so amazing. And like for a period piece, you need money to make it look good. And, um, we were able to like rent an Ari uh, Alexa Mini and um, 
yeah, it was it was cool to as a director be able to give um like my crew the tools they needed to do it like to make it really something special and to make it look great. That's so fucking cool. Do you know where this where and when this film will premiere? Um not yet, so we are planning on submitting submitting to film festivals and all that stuff. So um we'll be in post for the next couple months or so. Um so yeah, unclear when it will be available for the public, but like I said, follow our page, follow along and you'll um see when you'll be able to What's that what, what's that webpage address again? Yeah, you can find us on Instagram at monong.film, m a n o n g.film and in our bio we have links to all our other social media and pages. Fantastic. Now we are going to pick our next film and we're shaking up the Bronco helmet and the professor's going to hand it down to Bellamy. The next film is Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. Who put Saving Private Ryan in the fucking helmet? Not to be confused with the other movie. That's my writing. Saving Ryan's Privates. Is this your Steven Spielberg movie? It's my Spielberg movie. Ah, so we go back to the well and uh, a director picks a director from our helmet and uh, we will be reviewing Saving Private Ryan. But first, uh, next week we will be reviewing A Scanner Darkly, hopefully with our guest TJ, another filmmaker. So we look forward to that. Uh, After that week, we will get into uh, our, I think that's it for Steven Spielberg, right? Yeah. Catch me if you can. Raiders. Raiders. And and then, then, all right. So this officially takes Steven Spielberg out of our helmet. Unless unless a a fan has submitted another Spielberg movie. Yeah, he's directed a lot of movies. (laughs) Yeah, that that Steve guy, he's he's done a couple of good ones. A couple of good ones. A couple of good ones. Um, all right. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode of three guys in a flick. I just want to thank Bellamy for coming on. It was awesome to have you. We had a really good time. I want to thank Zach, Ronnie and Jill as always for listening. Keep listening. Um, Hey John, where can they find us? Well, they can always find us at our website, three guys where we go ahead and post the show notes after the show, as well as uh, just a little trivia about the movie that we watched and other information. If please check it out and share it with friends. You can also find us on various social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, when we are on pretty much every podcasting hosting site, we're on pod Podbeam, Spotify. We are everywhere I can find to put us. All right. Uh, you want to say anything before we take off here? You want to give any shout outs to anybody? Um, I just want to say thank you for having me. It's great talking about this movie. Hopefully I'll be back. Maybe I'll get to beam in remotely. Um, I'll just give another shout out to Gerard. Shout out to my dad. <laughs> well, Bellamy, you always have a standing invitation here at Three Guys in a Flick. Um, so thanks again for coming. We had a great time. So for three guys in a flick, I'm Don. I'm John. I'm Ken. And I'm Bellamy. Hope you enjoyed getting consensually bashed. Oh, you son of a bitch. Every time. Well, you're going to, didn't she get to do the call? Well, yeah. Were you, were you shaking it to remind me that she was going to do the quote? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, now you laugh during it. I.
Dude, who who cuts this together? There's no such thing as laughing. So you got to get them worked up before the show starts. No, she poke it. She, she knows. She does. She's not going to piss me off. She's smarter than you guys. And Katie, and Katie Silberman. Sil- Silberman looks like Silberman. Silberman. And Katie Silberman. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck do you say her name? Based on the book, there is no book. I sorry, I didn't delete that. Oh. Line. See, dude, you <laughs> you, you, up and you, set, you set me up for failure every fucking week. You're going first, Don. But what do you say? You go first. Oh, see, I fucking set you up, and you didn't. No, because I'm on the not it. Right, but I've okay. So I guess I'm it. Don, you go first. I, I feel like he's still not listening. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. Oh, you're not going to do it? No. Oh, okay. I thought that was going to be a reoccurring thing. That's why. I, sometimes, that's just, yes. Sometimes. If it's there every single. But then, it, but then it's not it's reoccurring. Every single it's time, not reoccurring if you we don't, don't want it do there it. every single time. I just you thought we were going to. Well, I don't. I guess we. Wrong. Well, apparently, motherfucker, I did. You go first. <laughs> I win again. You can fix it in post. It's fine. Oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) Fuck off. Good night.